0: Welcome to Drop the Hammer. Today is Wednesday, May 29th on the Drop the Hammer Radio Network. Along with Ben and I'm Teddy Rodquist. Just back from Concord, North Carolina at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Ben, how's it going, man?
1: Going good. Still a little tired from the busy weekend, but you know, just uh, chugging along here and uh, getting ready for this Pocono race weekend.
0: Yeah, and you know, NASCAR heads to the Tricky Triangle and before we preview Pocono, let's uh let's recap the the coke 600 at charlotte what what'd you think of the race man
1: yeah i thought it was a a great race for the coke 600 usually uh usually you get some fatigue in that race just because it's so long but i mean honestly i didn't really notice notice how long it was in in a sense you know at the end of the third stage you kind of you had that internal clock thinking oh this race is going to be you know, is about to be over, but really getting a hundred more laps. But I mean, I think it was pretty entertaining, uh all in all. I mean, the cautions, the just how many cautions there were definitely helped keep it entertaining with all the restarts. But um I thought it was a good race. I thought the the package did well again on the mile and a half. Still a little bit tough to pass after five laps, but um I'm I noticed more guys making it work though they were moving around trying to change lines so that they weren't stuck behind another race car and with that um they were able to uh there were some guys such as martin Truex jr uh, and brad keselowski in the early stages and even chase Elliott, probably in stage two who were able to really move through the field and make good passes so um i thought that was an interesting uh point the interesting thing that the drivers did this weekend
0: yeah, and one thing that I liked that I I checked with you cuz you were there. I was glad to hear that the the attendance for this race was so strong. It certainly looked that way on TV and you know, even DW and Jeff Gordon were commenting on it. It was great to see a strong turnout at that. And yeah, I think this package is here to stay on mile and a half. It has led to some really entertaining racing not just at Charlotte, but earlier in the year in Kansas, Las Vegas. And one of my bigger takeaways was how this package has led to some of these these smaller teams, you know, kind of close the gap a bit. We saw Chris Busher, he's had a couple of good runs. He finished sixth. LaJoy finished 12th. And David Reagan, he finished 15th. But in that final restart, he was on the front row. So it was cool to see, you know, some of those teams have, you know, great runs. And then the other main takeaway for me was the Toyota tire trouble. I mean, every, every Toyota, including, uh, Matt Benedetto, except for Kyle Busch had had an issue at some point even even Martin Truex there did obviously didn't didn't impact him too much he went on to win the race but that was pretty wild to see so it must have been a some sort of a maybe too aggressive of a setup it must have been a front end issue on those Toyotas
1: yeah it's really interesting you don't see a lot of tire troubles uh manufacturer wise in NASCAR nowadays and that was pretty interesting to kind of follow around in the race because yeah, thinking of back back to it, it was Toyotas that were only having the tire troubles um, besides Brad Keselowski. And I think Ryan Blaney came to pit late uh, yep. because of tired going down, but yeah, the tires were a huge factor. Um, I'm not sure if it's because of the heat that was there but, or just the track is starting to age at Charlotte, but I liked it. I mean, um, You and I were talking during the race, and it seemed like if you didn't have, if you had 10 laps or more on your tires, you are going to have to come in, because whoever was going, whoever got tires, they were just going to blow by you. And even Newman and Reagan, they were on the front row with, what, six laps to go? And they got relegated down to 15th and 16th, uh, the last two cars on the lead lap. Uh, Excuse me, two of the last three cars on the lead lap, of course, Denny Hamlin had that crash at the end but um yeah i I really like the tire wear um i like those races i think those races are good for nascar you know you're gonna see the best driver in most cases win in those races um there's just not a lot of room for gambling as you see um but yeah having managing tires in that situation i think it's good uh good racing and uh i hope to see it continue
0: yeah i'm glad you brought up ryan blaney because man that That's just a disappointing ending to what was a really strong race for that 12 team. He finished 13th, but he was running third up until he had that that trouble at the end. So Ryan Blaney, it's, you know, kind of just another tough step in the season for him. But there are positives to take away. He was running really well, looked like he was locked into a top five finish until he ran into that tire issue there.
1: Yeah, he looked like he was probably going to end up being, um, Third, third or fifth, I think he was part of the top five cars. I think, I think Truex, Kyle Busch, uh, Joe Logano, Chase Elliott, and Blaney. Those are the top five cars all night. Um, I just think Bl- Blaney just has bad luck. I mean, he's ninth in points with a 17.5 average finish. So you know he's having good runs. Just something goes wrong for him some point in the race. And I think I saw a tweet that's interesting just you know having that happen when you just have some bad luck and some situations that are out of your hands that kind of warrants maybe a a, a hot streak coming you know we talked about it with yeah. Chase Elliott he he only had a couple top 10s and really wasn't getting top 5s but he was showing that he was strong in races earlier well now he's had four top 5s in a row and is looking like one of the best drivers on the circuit so i I still say this and I'm going to be confident with this. You know, just how good team Penske is Ryan Blaney's going to get it figured out this year. And when he does get it figured out, I think he could go on a roll and definitely be one of our more, more, consistent drivers um, on the tour.
0: Yeah, I agree. And we could see him get it turned around even as soon as, as, as Pocono, he, he won the poll for this race last year. So this could be Pocono coming at the perfect time for Ryan Blaney. And then, Another driver that did finish in the top five for the first time this season, Ricky Stenhouse, first top five of the year, best finish ever on a mile and a half. I, that was pretty wild for me to hear. You know, earlier this year at Texas, he came in sixth. That was his best finish at the time, and then he one upped it here at Charlotte. But probably the bigger Stenhouse storyline was, you know, him getting spun out by Kyle Busch uh, late in stage one there. I believe it was about. 14, 15 laps to go in stage one when that happened, and yeah, they played Stenhouse's radio, and he was not a happy camper about it.
1: Yeah, it was around two between Stenhouse and Kyle Bush. Um, I think, I don't know if it got shown on television, this was an observation I had from the stands, but Stenhouse tried to dive bomb term three and wreck Kyle Bush and completely missed. I mean, it was absolutely funny. I think they showed it momentarily on radioactive, but they really didn't show the aftermath because, I mean, he went in there like, hey, I'm going to move this guy or I'm going to wreck myself. And I think he lost like three or four spots after that. It was pretty funny. Like, it it was such a desperate move by Stenhouse. I mean, I like the rivalry. They're both kind of guys that are easy to pick on or not like as fans. You know, Stenhouse is a guy who usually gets in himself into more incidences than not and you know he's he's kind of a villain you know every i'd notice every time he's like he's on the bottom lane and a restart on a mile and a half he's gonna take it three wide oh every time no matter what every time every time you know he's done that to multiple people um and then there's kyle bush he's also not likable you know he just with him being kyle bush and he's the villain of nascar so i like this rivalry i hope it continues um thankfully we got daytona coming up not too far so um we'll see how uh stenhouse jr uh, handles that
0: yeah and really can apply it to ryan newman too that that roush fenway team stenhouse and newman they're they're gonna make it as difficult on you as possible you're probably going to be able to pass them but they're really going to make you work for it and just a side note, Stenhouse, his crew chief was fined for a loose lug nut. I mean, not a huge deal. I mean, that, we see that happen almost on a weekly basis to someone, but it happened to Stenhouse, and then I believe Logano, the 22 team, was the other team it happened to as well. And then, you know, talk about our, our top four in points right now. You think these guys are, are here to stay and could end up being our championship four at the end of the year?
1: Yeah, I'm thinking right now. I mean, they're not the top four in points, but the top four finishing order that we had at the Coke 600. I I think that's right now the four best drivers um in the Cup Series, um, and I think they're they're probably going to be the uh, the the um final four right now. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's stuff to change. I don't think Kyle Busch or Logano are going anywhere, and neither Martin Truex Jr. I think Truex is. Tricks Jr. is obviously on a roll, winning a bunch of races lately. Um, but you know, I think I think Chase Elliott's the guy who could definitely get bumped as the season gets goes on because you know Brad Keselowski's been strong. Yeah. Um, we haven't seen Kevin Harvick's hand. You know, even even guys coming on strong. You know, Alex Bowman's had been running good. You know, Denny Hamlin has a couple wins. So, um, but right now, I think those are the. Uh, four most consistent drivers. Um, and I think, I think you know even Chase Elliott, he's, he's leading laps almost every week. I think it's a matter of time where he starts racking up a couple of wins. Um, maybe this weekend, he's been good at Pocono in the past and Michigan's coming up. That's a good one. Sonoma road course. He ran really well last year there. One at Watkins Glen. So uh, I think, I think if Chase Elliott starts winning races, and I think that's his only downfall. Him and Logano, once they've like consistently start winning more races, um, I think those guys are gonna be almost impossible to uproot um as the championship for.
0: Yeah, I I agree with you completely. Uh Truex, Bush and Logano I I think are virtually certain. And then yeah, Chase Elliott's the one that's kind of on the bubble for me, but I agree with what you said. I really like Chase Elliott coming up here at Michigan. I just have a good feeling for Elliott at that track, and Truex. I I think just part of what makes him so special is, and not to say the other drivers don't have good relationships with their crew chiefs. Obviously, it it takes you know some a lot of trust, and you need to have a good relationship with that guy to be successful. But Truex and Cole Pern just it's it's like they're the same guy. They just are seamless and. If Cole Pern says anything, Truex goes along with it, no questions asked. I mean, that was a big-time move by Joe Gibbs Racing to to bring Cole Pern over with Truex. And I think that relationship is the biggest X, X factor we've seen in Truex's success here over the last five races.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, even the last three years when they've been, the last three, four years when they're at Furniture Row, I mean, they're both... They both understand each other. They're almost, right now, the Jimmy Johnson and Tad Knauss, a NASCAR. I know that's maybe a little bit poor comparison because they don't have the seven championships, but, you know, they they just have that relationship and they're not going anywhere. You know, they remind me of a Paul Wolf and Brad Keselowski also. I mean, yeah. They know what whatever the car's doing, if it's loose, it's tight, you know, Colt Pern knows what he needs to do to make it better for Truex. And they're, they're a team that, you know, maybe they're not running well in the first two stages, but once they get adjusting on that car, they can win almost any race with just adjustments. And, yeah, they're, they're a dangerous combo, especially with Joe Gibbs. You know, we, we commented, what, first couple episodes that they had a slow start, but that slow start is gone. It's, it's almost, like, forgotten about just because they've won three races and they've all come in the last couple
0: of months. Right, yeah, three wins in the last five races. He got the, the monkey off the off his back, so to speak, with his first short track win this year. So Truex's confidence has to be just maybe at an all-time high right now, and he's going to be tough for anyone to beat. And, you know, he's one of, if not the favorite, every week. And, you know, going into Pocono here, last year we saw Blaney win the poll for this race. And Harvick didn't win but led the most laps. Who who do you like in this race?
1: You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Ryan Blaney. I it's a it's, it's a, a strong really pick. Yeah. Move. It's it's a really bold move, but I I just think his time is coming. I if he at least if he doesn't win the race, he's at least gonna have a good showing. I mean, he's just he's just keeps chugging away, just keeps having having rough days, but I mean, you know, when he's not having rough days, he's out there contending for the win and he's getting top five, so I think his time is coming. I think he's going to win the race. Um, For my eliminator, I'm going to go with a little bit of a, a bold pick. I've gone I've gone pretty bold the last two weeks, but I'm going to go with Paul Bernard. Kind of the same thing with Bubba Wallace. I'm, I'm hoping he can grab himself a top 15 or something, and uh, Bubba Wallace didn't really pan out for me too well but i am feeling confident with paul menard just because fords usually run pretty well at at Pocono.
0: yeah i'm gonna for for my winner i'm gonna go this is the week that harvick finally gets in victory lane this year like i said he led 89 laps in this race last year so i think this could be the the week that he finally gets it done And then, you know, this is all the proof that our listeners ever need that we don't share our Eliminator picks beforehand because I also went with Paul Menard, you know, for very similar reasons. I'm hoping that I can get a a top maybe 12 to 15, maybe even 10th if all goes well. He's, you know, this will be his 25th start at Pocono in his career. He's had two top 10s before, so it's happened a couple of times, and I'm still trying to save Kyle Busch, Truex, save all my big big guns for as late as I can. So we both got Paul Menard this week, so we're we're gonna ride or die in that pick together.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, there's definitely guys. I'm uh, I'm saving for eliminator. Spoiler alert: I'm picking Kyle Larson next week because it's Michigan. But um, <laughs> yeah, there there's definitely guys you're gonna save for certain tracks. Um, it's it's getting tough right now because you want you want to you know. You want to pick a guy you think it can win a race or get a top five, but also you're like, well, shoot, like in the you know in the playoffs, you're gonna have have to be t- picking some of the top guys because those are the guys who usually rise to the occasion and win the races. So, yeah, we'll we'll see on this one.
0: Right. Yep. Paul, if you're listening, man, we need a strong week out of you. And uh, just to talk about some paint schemes real quick, and you know, you got the the luxury of seeing these schemes uphand, up hand up up close firsthand I should say you know I really like Keselowski's and you know I, pretty much everyone does it's uh one of the more iconic patriotic schemes I would argue and then you know Kurt Bush even though it wasn't a patriotic scheme I I like his gear wrench scheme that looks pretty solid which ones did you like seeing at the track especially you know under nightfall
1: oh man I I loved Bubba Wallace's uh Coca-Cola orange vanilla car that was that was really cool one uh I'm hoping they make the die cast on that one i I don't think they will, but that one was was probably my favorite in the field um patriotic wise i really liked um i liked alex bowman's uh yeah i liked alex Bowman's, but i think martin Truex uh juniors was pretty cool too um i think I mean, obviously it helps that he won, but you know, it was it was different seeing um, no black because usually the Bass Pro cars they had the red, white, and blue, but it's black. Um, but I thought the blue, uh, the car being majority blue, being uh, I thought that was a good paint scheme for this week. What uh, what paint schemes are you looking at this week? I know there's uh, looks like we're going back to the the standard ones, but I'm liking the. Uh, I, I like Daniel Hemrick's, uh Kalahari Resorts uh, car that they unveiled yesterday, and then of course they got the uh, bright blue Eminem's hazelnut car for Kyle Busch.
0: Yeah, the, you know that's that's probably my favorite Kyle Busch one. Other other than his Interstate Batteries one, I mean I really like the Interstate Batteries. That I know a lot of people don't like the the green and white zebra stripes. I I'm in the minority I guess because I do, but I I really like Kyle Busch's new light blue hazelnut m&m's just because of that color that color is beautiful and then uh do you happen to know what uh what scheme austin Dillon's running is it is it the dow scheme
1: yeah it's the dow scheme so um i think <clears throat> excuse me i think uh coming up he'll run a patriotic dow scheme usually runs it around michigan in june so um that that'll be a one to work out for. But uh yeah, I think it's just a standard uh black and red Dow scheme this weekend.
0: Yeah, that's that's you know, one of the one of the better classic schemes out there. So yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to the Kyle Bush one and then yeah, Austin Dillon. And I'm excited to see that Hemrick Kalahari Resorts one. That's gonna look pretty cool, I think.
1: Yeah, it was a nice uh white and blue car that they unveiled yesterday. And speaking of paint schemes that they unveiled yesterday, Ryan Newman, uh the Oscar Meyer uh Wiener throwback car that they're gonna run at Darlington looks like Mark Martin's Valvoline car from the early nineties. But we had a couple of throwbacks uh on this past week. Had that had Doe, uh the Newman car and then also had uh Seward Haas Racing, Eric Almarola, uh Daniel Suarez and uh also Clint Boyer, the yeah, Paying tribute to KK2. Tony Stewart, yeah yeah tony stewart making the hall of fame so i i like this year's uh i like this year's hall of fame class i think they got it right and i think it'll be interesting to see uh I, you gotta think joe gibbs racing is gonna have a bunch of throwbacks especially with bobby labani you might might look out for an interstate batteries throwback of bobby there with kyle bush and who knows what we'll see out of the jgr stable as uh Old coach kids is going into Hall of Fame too. I think it's going to be a good year for uh, throwbacks at Darlington.
0: I agree, and <laughs> I think the Hall of Fame class got it right too. Joe Gibbs, you know, his second professional Hall of Fame. You know, of course, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame for his first stint as coach of the Washington Redskins. And I think it's very fitting that Gibbs and Tony Stewart go in together, with Stewart being as of now the only driver to win multiple championships at at Joe Gibbs Racing. So. I think it's really fitting, and I would agree. I think they went 5-for-5 this year.
1: For sure, for
0: sure. Everyone listening, we'll appreciate it. We'll talk to you next time on the Drop the Hammer Radio Network.